Well, it's good to be together with you all this morning. Why don't we go ahead and start off with just a quick word of prayer as we prepare our hearts for the scriptures. Amen. Amen. Lord, we just, um, we come before you and we pray that our hearts can be humble, that our minds will be open to your word and your scriptures. We thank you for the blessing of life that you have given us. We thank you for the family of God. We thank you for um, even our biological families. Uh, the good and the bad that comes with that sometimes, Father. We thank you for the love that we have known in this world. But most of all, we thank you for the love we've known from you. God, I, uh, I come to you and I just pray that you be with me as an instrument of your will this morning. Let everyone's hearts and minds, including my own, just be moved by your scriptures and what we see and the character of, of men and women in the scriptures and just their hearts to know you, to love you and to respond uh, in just righteous ways. We love you, God. We, we give you praise this morning. Spirit, work on our hearts and our minds and, and move powerfully through each and every one of us today. We give praise and thanks to you, Jesus, in your holy name. Amen. <clears throat> so if I sound a little stopped up or, you know, gunky, it's just, you know, all the, the spring pollen, everything's coming out. So that... Uh, is is definitely affecting me. It's, you know, Chris and I, I guess, are on the same page there. So I feel you, bro. Uh, it took me, I don't even know if I ever got entirely warmed up this morning. So, <clears throat> amen. I have my water here for that reason. So if you've got a Bible, though, I'd encourage you to go over to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah. If you're looking for Nehemiah, it's, uh, it's kind of going to be after... First and Second Chronicles, but if you get to the Book of Psalms, it's too far. It's right. Uh, it's right after Ezra. So if you if you're gonna head over that way, and as we get started, though, what, one of the things I want to do is kind of give us a brief history of of what's going on before we what's been happening uh, before the passage we're about to read. Okay. Now I don't know what you know about Jewish history, but in 587 BC, right, the city of Jerusalem was sacked and destroyed by the Babylonians. And, and I mean, they came in, they tore down the walls surrounding Jerusalem, they enslaved the people and carried them away. Uh, they completely obliterated the temple of God. Like they, to, to the point, like they're like pulling the foundation stones apart. So when they rebuild the temple, they have to relay the foundations of it. I mean, this is, it wasn't just like a, we came in, we kind of messed some things up and we left. It's like they obliterated the city. They, they tried to destroy their culture and, and then they've enslaved these people and taken them away, right? So all of this, God actually said would happen. Um, he said that this would happen to the Israelite people if they chose to no longer live as a holy people devoted to him. Uh, and, and they did just what he said not to do. They began to worship other gods and, and do many other despicable things. And so what happened is, is they stepped outside of God's grace and, and God's protection. It would be as if I said, hey, you know, told my son, don't leave the house. If you go out there, you're going to get hurt. And he goes, well, I'm not going to listen to you, dad. And he walks outside and he gets hurt. It's, it's this in my house. He is safe. With me, and when he listens to me, my intentions are good, and I'm not, I mean, the scriptures actually tell me I'm, I'm evil compared to God's goodness, right? And I feel like I'm, I try to be a good dad, I'm not perfect, 
but our Heavenly Father is perfect. And so he's giving them this instruction and says, hey, if you don't obey this, this is what's going to happen. And they didn't. And then they had to deal with the terrible consequences of what happened. But God made a promise and he said, hey, but if and when or when the people call back to me and turn their hearts back to me, I'll bring them back. I'll bring them back home. And so what ends up happening is in 448, uh, we we see the book before this one. It's called Ezra. And Ezra was a priest. He was a scribe. And Ezra wrote about how um, King Cyrus of the Persians actually allowed some of the Jews to go back to Jerusalem. And not only did he let them go back, but he actually sent them with like gold and old plates from the original temple. I mean, some of the holy relics and items, he let them leave with it. And it's very specific. And it was just this huge blessing. And it was exactly how God said it would happen. And so Ezra goes back and they rebuild the temple. I mean, they, they, they redo the whole thing. And, and some people are just outrageously excited. And, and the younger folks and the older folks, you know, kind of have their thing. They're like, it was better when we were young. You know, they, they look back and go, it's not even anything like it used to be. And, uh, and there was some truth to that about certain elements. But, but the thing there was is that they had just rebuilt the temple of God. The place where the spirit of God was supposed to dwell and be with the people again. And so there was some hope there. And then, and then Ezra started trying to work on reviving the spiritual well-being of the community. And he was spending years trying to turn the Jewish people's hearts, the, the people who had remained, the people who had come back, trying to get them kind of into spiritual shape again. And saying, guys, you know, we can do this and God is with us and trying to teach and instruct and call the people to it. And so where we're picking up is going to be about 12 or 15 years after Ezra has already been there. Okay, somewhere between 12 to 15 years later, uh, we're going to be hearing about where Nehemiah is at. And Nehemiah is about to hear news from what's been going on in Israel. And if you were to hear this from afar, you're like, the people have gone back. They have some of the wealth has gone with them. They've rebuilt their temple. They're trying to have this revival. And, and, and it's all happening just how God said it would happen, right? Which is, I mean, that's an incredibly hopeful thing and everything there. So that's, that's awesome. We're going to pick up here in Nehemiah 1. And I'm actually going to read a good chunk of this just to start us off. And then I'll bring us back in, in, in where we're going to focus, okay? All right. So Nehemiah 1. Verse 1 says, The words of Nehemiah, son of Hekeliah, during the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, when I was in the fortress city of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, arrived with men from Judah, and I questioned them about Jerusalem and the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. I want you to know, I'm reading from the Holman translation. If you're reading from a different Bible, there will be a little bit of a difference. But I liked this one for this Sunday. So, excuse me. So, he'd spoken to his brother. And I questioned them about the Jerusalem, about Jerusalem and the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. They said to me, the remnant in the province who survived the exile are in great trouble and disgrace. Jerusalem's walls, Jerusalem's wall has been broken down and its gates have been burned with fire or have been burned down. When I heard these words, I sat down 
and wept. I mourned for a number of days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I said, Yahweh, the God of heaven, the great and awe-inspiring God, who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keep his commands. Let your ears or let your eyes be open and your ears be attentive to your servant's prayer. That I know that I now pray to you uh, today. I pray to you day and night for your servants, the Israelites. I confess the sins we have committed against you. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted corruptly towards you and have not kept the commands, statutes, and ordinances you gave your servant Moses. Please remember what you commanded your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and carefully observe my commands, even though your exiles were banished to the ends of the earth, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place where I chose to to have my name dwell. They are your servants and your people. You redeemed them by your great power and strong hand. Please, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant, to that of your servant who delights to revere your name. Give your servant success today and have compassion on him in the presence of this man. At that time, I was the king's cupbearer. During the month of Nisan in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, When wine was set before him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had never been sad in his presence. So the king said to me, why are you sad when when you aren't sick? This is nothing but depression. I was overwhelmed with fear and replied to the king. May the king live forever. Why should I not be sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king asked me, what is your request? So I prayed to the God of heaven and answered the king. If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor with you, send me to Judah and the city where my ancestors are buried so that I may rebuild it. The king with the queen seated beside me asked me, How long will your journey take and when will you return? So I gave him a definite time and it pleased the king to send me. You know, in this passage, what we're going to focus on here in point one uh, is what is it moved Nehemiah? What how did he feel about what he heard? And, And the title of this sermon is is bad news and big decisions. All right. So it's it's navigating challenges with faith. And point one is simply bad news. So you think of what's going on with Nehemiah, right? In verse one through four, Nehemiah, he's he's there and his brother has just come back from Jerusalem. And he says, how are things going? Tell me, you know, the, the temple's been rebuilt. The revival is happening. How is it going? And Hananiah is like, it's terrible. You know, and, and he just kind of lays out what's going on. And he's like, the, what you find out is, is if, and you study the passage and you study Ezra, what's going on in Ezra, the people really aren't repenting. The walls of Jerusalem are still crumbled around. Like the, the nations around them are hostile and aggressive. They are threatening them. 
And and Nehemiah's like, we are going to lose everything. All of the hope that we've put and and God has been working and the the people are going back and resources are there and the temple's been rebuilt. It's all going to get destroyed. Like nothing is changing. And the temple is vulnerable. The people are vulnerable. Everything is still. And he's just his hope of what he was expecting to hear is just totally dashed. Can you feel it? I mean, and. So much, when I read that at first, I was like, that seems like an extreme reaction to that. Until I, I you know, reading it and, and putting it in the context, it's like, that's my home. Even if it's not where you, you're from, it's like, that's, that's where I'm from. Like, that's my ancestral home and it means something to me. And his heart is breaking, right? And so, here he is, likely hoping to hear this good news, and instead, he hears terrible news. And he's distraught because he knows that this isn't God's plan. Like, he he cannot understand, how is this the way that it is, oh God? Like, you said that this, that you would bring us back and that you'd restore this. And, and the Jewish people knew, like, they still have their hope in the kingdom, the, the mighty kingdom of God. The one that we now get to be a part of. But they're thinking that Israel is going to get restored and it's going to take over and it's going to, just cast out all the aggressors and it's going to be turned into this incredible plan of the advancement of the kingdom of God, right? Or the kingdom of Israel. You guys with me? And it's just so far from what he's hearing. And he's trying to understand what is going on, God. And so what does he do when he hears this news? I mean, his heart is broken. He just seems like he takes days to mourn. And I love that it doesn't, it, you know, <laughs> he's relatable in this. I really appreciate it. Um, he took time to process it. He, he wept and he mourned, he prayed and he fasted. And he didn't try to just put on a happy face. You guys with me? Sometimes when we get bad news, we feel like buck up buttercup. You know, I got to like, I got to just put on a grin and keep going. But that's not what we see he did. He felt something and he let that be seen, even by the king. And that was a risky thing. And we, we can talk about that in a little bit in a minute. But so here he is and he just brings his emotion to God. And he just wept and he fasted and he prayed and he considered the scriptures. You know, he mourned his lost hope. The things he thought would happen. And and, I mean, I know some of us have felt that way, right? We felt my life is supposed to go this way and this thing's supposed to happen. And and then it's like, not that way, right? I mean, just things happen and we're like, I don't get this. And and that's where Nehemiah's at right now. I think this doesn't make any sense. Like this isn't supposed to happen. You said in your scriptures, this is not supposed to happen. Do you guys get it? And, you know, I really appreciate how relatable Nehemiah is because he does feel distraught. It doesn't just move on. Because sometimes if you had the like, well, you just put it on and keep going. It's hard to relate to those sorts of people, right? And and I appreciate that God included and used a man like Nehemiah and gives us this kind of in like look into where he's at, how he's feeling. Because it kind of makes it, it's okay. It's okay to feel stuff. 
But what do we do when we feel stuff? And so look at what Nehemiah does, right? After mourning, and he, he goes and he, he takes this time. And this is the part that really sets him apart is he goes and he fasts and prays for days. Let me just ask an honest question. When's the last time some of us have fasted? You don't have to answer that, but answer it to yourself. When's the last time you've fasted to get an answer for something or to seek clarity of what God's intention is, right? When's the last time you spent days really devoted in prayer and fasting to a problem that's weighing heavy on your heart? Because that's what we see Nehemiah do, right? And, and when we look at it, he goes and he digs into the scriptures and we know at least he's trying to go through what he was taught as a young man of what God's promises were. He may even have some of the actual scriptures there, but I think it's, it's probably his oral tradition that he's going back to and knowing like the word of God and what's been taught to him. And he's been meditating on the word and he knows it. He goes, God, I know that this isn't your will. And he's trying to study it out and figure it out. You know, but it makes me wonder for me, like, how do I respond to bad news these days? How do I respond to the things that weigh heavy on my heart? And the truth is, is I don't respond as Nehemiah does, at least not often. And, and I want to do a better job of that. You know, but here in Nehemiah, what does he find as he does it? He finds perspective. I think he finds perspective in the scriptures. I think he finds what we're going to talk about in a minute, a little bit more, but he finds a purpose and he finds direction. When he goes and he's, he does these things, he finds that. Perspective, direction, purpose. Isn't that a lot of what we want when we're in times of trial? We're like, God, I just, just tell me what to do. Just tell me the right thing. And I can totally say I have done this where I've said, just give me the right answer. And I've prayed about it for like, you know, 10 minutes. And that's about all I'm going to pray about it until somebody else asks me, have you prayed about it? Are you guys with me? And that's just not what we see in the scriptures. Right? That's just not what we see. And, and we want to go after. There's a reason why we, we learn these things. Right? There's a reason why God, and, and we need to learn from Jesus and follow his example. And, and all of this is really a precursor to Jesus anyways, which is a far, far longer sermon. But I think we can still learn from these people and these situations. And so as we, we look at this, I think it's just time for me to even think, I need to repent. I need to repent and, and do and the righteous things, if I want the direction that God can give, if I want the purpose and the perspective that comes with it, it comes through prayer, it comes through study of the scripture, it comes through fasting. And, and we, you may go, well, yeah, 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 I know that, Mike. Those are the things that we're supposed to do. I go, but the question is, is how are we doing it, doing them? Mm-hmm. Right? Because I know I can do a better job. So this sermon and even in preparing it all, I was like, this is as much for me as it is for any one of you, I promise. But this is the word of God, and, and this is what I feel like God put on my heart as I studied it. So, amen. This is what we're getting. You with me? Yeah. Um, and so, I just encourage you, let's follow Nehemiah's example of going to God. When we get bad news, when we're in times of challenge and hardship, 
Let's let's go to the Lord. We can weep, we can mourn, we can wail, we can, but we can pray and we can fast and we can study the scriptures and say, God, what is your will? Right? Who are you? And I think that that leads us even to how Nehemiah responds after this. Right? He gets his direction, he gets his purpose, he has his perspective, and now he gets to make some decisions. And let's look at how he makes some of these decisions. I want to look at his prayer here uh, and, and break it down for just a second. Right? Let's, let's just read this. I'm going to read it one more time. And I'll just read just his prayer. <clears throat> Starting in verse 5. It says, I said, Yahweh, the God of heaven, the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love and keep his commands. Let your eyes be open and your ears be attentive to hear your servant's prayer. Uh, to hear your servant's prayer that I now pray to you day and night for your servants, the Israelites. I confess the sins that we have committed against you. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted corruptly towards you and you towards you and have not kept the commands, statutes and ordinances you gave your servant Moses. Please remember what you commanded your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and carefully observe my commands, even though your exiles were banished to the ends of the earth, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place where I choose to have my name dwell. You are your ser- they are your servants and your people. You redeemed them by your great power and strong hand. Please, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer your servant uh, of your servant and to, the, and to that of your servants who delight to revere your name. Give your servant success today and have compassion on him in the presence of this man. So, right after after spending days of praying and fasting about the issue that's weighing heavily on his heart, it seems like Nehemiah has already made this bold decision. Like he's he's made this decision so he brings his request before God in prayer, but he kind of breaks it down in a way that I think is interesting. The first thing he does is he praises and acknowledging he praises God and acknowledges God's power and goodness. That's the first thing he does. And in doing so, I think one of the things we do is we remind ourselves, our own hearts, of God's place. Because sometimes when we focus on the problem and we focus on what's upset and, and we don't lift God up, we don't get our hearts to the place they need to be. And, and we think about God as small and our problems as big, right? And, and they may be real. They may be deeply affecting us. But God is bigger than any problem, right? doesn't matter what it is. I mean, he breathed the stars into existence. I mean, come on. It's like, let there be light and, you know, everything. So how small are our problems? Uh, they're really small to him. They're huge to us, right? How big are our decisions? They're really small to him. They matter to him, but they're huge to us. And so because they matter to us, they matter to him. But we've got to look to where and remember who God is. And that's one of the things we see Nehemiah do. You know, he humbles himself. When he asks God to listen to him. And, and sometimes I think like, that's, a, that's an odd plea there. But I think that's a humbling thing to say, 
God, I know you don't have to listen to me. But please hear my prayers. I know you are good. Please listen to what I have to say. And he's, he spent days getting his heart to this place, I think. But he then, he confesses his sin. He confesses his sin and he confesses the sin of his people, of, of his community, of his forefathers. He, he just gets real about it. And goes, here is my sin. And no, you know, there's so many times where if we were to approach our problems and just recognize which part of these problems are my fault. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're like, this is... This is terrible, and the walls are falling in, and all of this is bad, and, you know, I, if we just recognize, like, hey, where did I go wrong? God, this is what I did, and I confess it, and I own it, and, and I, I repent, right? Because that's what he's saying. He's like, here's what it is, and I repent, and I will now pursue you with all of my heart. And bless those who are also ready to pursue you with all of their heart. Are you guys with me? Yeah. And so when we think, how do you pray? Do you own your own stuff? Because that's what we see here. Next, what does he do? Nehemiah, he reminds God and himself of the promises that God has made in the scriptures. And so what is he doing? He's aligning his will and God's will together. He goes back to the scriptures and he's like, I don't want it to be this way, God. And he thinks back to God's word and he goes, I know you don't want it to be this way. He goes, all right. Then let's do it together. Like, I, I, this is what you said. I'm there. I'm with you. I want to do this too. And if we could take the time to often study the scriptures ourselves and go, God, what's your will here? Now, there are certain things that's like, we know God doesn't care what we have for dinner. Or at least he, he, he might, but he doesn't really have a real opinion about it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's not a big deal. But there are decisions that when they matter to us, they matter to God, right? And, and we should examine the scriptures to say, is my, is my will in step with God's will? Can I figure it out? If I need to make a decision, a big decision, you know, sometimes a mediocre decision, am I in alignment with God's will? You with me? And, and there's so much that we can find in the scriptures. And, and we might say, well, there's no particular scripture that speaks to this issue. But I remember as a young Christian, I would hear frequently about people who'd say, look, you need to pray and you need to pray and you need to fast. And then you got to just pray for God to lead you to the right, right place in the word. And sometimes you'll actually find scriptures that are like completely unrelated. But suddenly it's it's almost as if it's exactly what God wanted to say to you. And some of us have probably had that experience. Have you, I mean, anybody had that happen? I have. Um, and it seems really weird, but you just are like, let me find it. And in your word, you just find it. You know, and then he, he comes to the point where he goes, and this is what I want. Literally, all of this was the preamble to get to what he wanted in his prayer. He says, let me find favor with the king. That's, that's it. And you know what? He finds favor with the king. Amen. And he was still fearful. I appreciate it. That he, even after this prayer, he had to make the decision to be faithful. Because he could have just felt fearful and then the story wouldn't have gone anywhere because he just wouldn't have said anything. You guys with me? He still had to act by faith, even though God had prepared the man's heart and done exactly what he'd asked. 
he still had to act by faith. Right? And we may still fear, feel fear or trepidation or grief or whatever it is. You guys with me? And so, thinking about that idea, I, I'm encouraged. I'm also challenged. Because it doesn't mean God will wipe away my bad feelings. He's, he's going to, I've got to bring my own stuff with faith. Right? And overcome that and choose to trust that God has been working. And so, he, he did all of this. He prepared hearts. And presented his, he prepared his heart and he presented his request to God beforehand and he acted on his decision and went to the king and God blessed Nehemiah with his cause. And so in all of this, we look at what do we learn? You know, we've got to humble ourselves and seek perspective and direction. You know, we need to not jump to say, oh, there's a problem. I've got to act. Sometimes we can just take days to pray about it. Not days to worry about it, but days to pray about it, right? And I don't think about that. And so thinking, do we go to the scriptures? One of the other things I think we find in the scriptures frequently is not just about going to God and seeking God's counsel and God's direction. But we also see in the passages of scripture many times of going and seeking wise counsel from the people that God has put in our lives. You know, I think here's here's a few. I'm going to put them your way and you can write these down and, and pray about them. But it says, listen to counsel and accept discipline. That you may be wise the rest of your days. Right? Proverbs 15, verse 22, it says, Without consultation, plans are frustrated. But with many counselors, they succeed. As there are dozens of scriptures around the idea of seeking and getting advice and counsel. You know, about Scripture is about getting advice about big things and little things, about, about parenting, about being a spouse, about business, about war, about big decisions, about small ones. There are scriptures about getting advice and input about all sorts of stuff, of, of being instructed and guided in the way to be righteous and holy. Now, I think it's a little tougher, honestly, these days, um, because we have been trained. If you need to solve a problem, if you need to figure out how to do something, where is the first place you go to figure it out? Google. YouTube. Right? We, we are trained to now go, I can figure this out on my own through the help of somebody on the internet. But how often these days do we go, I can figure this out by the people that God has put in my life. The people that God has put there, not not the people who Apple put there or Google put there or, or whomever put there. It's people that God put there. You know, I think we're trained to become more and more self-reliant by our society. And that's that's just an easy way. And even reading recently about how older elders and other congregations are feeling like, you know, my generation, our generation, right? We don't do a good job of seeking advice or instruction on how to be men and women of God. Of going to and getting advice, seeking readily going after advice and instruction from the older people of mature faith that God has put around us. You know, older than us. I'm not calling you all old, all right? But I'm saying you're older than we are. Some of you are old. But, uh, but I think about, I think about it though and I go, we have a resource in all of you. 
And the same thing, though, you check out the scriptures. It tells older men and women to instruct younger men and women. We have an obligation to go and seek advice from these guys. But in the same sense, you guys have an obligation to teach us. As your, your, your younger brothers and sisters. And we want to learn from you. Sometimes we don't even know how to ask the question. We don't even know what questions to ask. But we've got to start thinking, how's it going getting advice about my big decisions? You know, some of us are buying houses and we're making other calls on different jobs and careers and directions on what we're doing. Are we seeking out, hey, where to live? What job should I get? Like, what kind of car? Is getting advice on things like our finances and how to do this and do it well. You know, are we doing that and seeking advice? What's the godly way to do this? And, and the Lord has put godly wise people in our lives. And we trust you guys. And we, we want to trust and, and be trained and taught, you know, by you. I think it's, it's one of the calls that we have to go after it. You know, um, I think of, you know, there's numerous times where I don't get input. And I think of scriptures like this one. The way of a fool seems right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. And the, or this one. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely will be delivered. And I just think about the idea that there's so many times that we think, and now I, I will say, obviously the older generation we will seek from you, but there's the obligation for you guys, obviously, to still be getting advice yourselves. Amen. But I'm a fool. I'm a fool, God tells me, if I think that my ideas are right all the time. My impulse, the things that I want, or I think this is good and this is the right decision. If I don't get advice, the scriptures call me a fool. And I may run into a decision that I am going to deeply regret. I've had times where I'm really trying harder to get more advice from Ralph and Peter on my sermons and, and bring the topics and what I'm going to say and trying to talk about illustrations and stuff. Because I have done sermons that have stunk and some that have deeply offended people. And I'm striving to repent. So it's, it's just one of those things like we've got to be seeking and getting advice in so many areas of our lives. Let's be going after that because that's that's really how God helps us and teaches us. Hey, this is how we make big decisions. Um, you know, so. I think when we look at it. We think about what do we need? You know, when we face big, bad news and big decisions, what do we do? How do we handle this? You know, we need to choose to respond righteously. That seems like a funny thing to say. But literally, you have to make the conscious decision to go, I am going to respond righteously. Because sometimes if we're not conscious about it, we make the unconscious decision to be worldly. You with me? But we got to choose to respond righteously. we got to get humble. Nehemiah got humble. He humbled himself before God. He went to the Lord in prayer. He was decimated by this, this news. And he's like, I don't know what to do with this. So he went to God to seek out direction. You know, we need to do that with one another, even in advice. We need to set times of prayer and fasting. If you're in bad times or challenging times or big times, are you praying and fasting about it? And, and maybe you're not right now, but build your conviction now so that you know what to do when you get there. Because that will happen, right? Examine the scriptures. 
And, and I don't mean like a 10 minute quiet time. I mean, like if it's really that heavy on you, you know, we've got to make the time to go. I'm going to examine the scriptures and ask God, what's your will here? It's been real time for days in the scriptures and days and hours in prayer to figure out what what God's doing. If it's really weighing on us. And lastly, let's seek wise counsel. Let's go after seeking the wisdom of the people that God has put around us for a reason. And, and thankfully, it's not just the people here. You know, we have each other and that's awesome. But I also have the blessing and you guys do as well of having people outside of Burlington that we can literally reach around the world in a moment with a phone call. To say, help me and give me advice in this situation. You know, and I wouldn't just say run to those all the time because I think it does a lot to build relationship and connection here when we do that with each other. But you have that opportunity. So let's seek counsel. You know, Nehemiah and, and all in all, here's the here's the last part of it. Nehemiah saw a tragedy, but God would inevitably take the bad thing, which is the result of a man's evil and produce good from it. You know, God would do this through Nehemiah. You know, we don't always understand what's going on in a time of challenge or what we need to do to make a big decision. But I do believe that if we respond righteously by seeking wise counsel, by getting advice from men and women that God has put around us, by following Nehemiah's example of humility, of prayer and fasting, of examining the scriptures for God's will, we will find perspective, we will find direction, we will find purpose in these times of challenge and times of big decision. I encourage you, let's be people who choose to live righteously in times of bad times, bad news, and times of big decision. Amen. Amen.